Do you remember when Liren called in and said... I don't know. One of these days, maybe you and I can have a conversation about, like, how I think, like, as a female, I view gaming differently. That doesn't mean I'm speaking for all females, but, like, I could at least... I don't know, like, my experience of gaming... Like, I'll tell you what happens with me is I just, at some point, I just don't want it to be all violence. That's the thing. I, I, I've i watched a couple actual plays and I'm just like, wow, hey, that's cool. Let's just spend three hours being violent. All right. Like, I, I don't, that is not my thing at all. And if they want to do that and knock yourself out, clearly they have audiences of people who watch it. I'm not one of them. I just, that isn't my style of gaming. And I think that if people want their their female friends and female family members to get more into gaming and game with them, then they're going to have to expand their horizons a little wider. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, sometimes in our group, we call that being heavy or light kind of, you know, like if you're being really heavy, then, then it is constantly about the fear of death and the possibility of dying and you, and anything could go wrong and that's it. You're dead, you know? And, and light games, there's just none of that. So anyways, see, there's a couple labels we use. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop rambling on. This is a super long message. Well, in this episode, we have that chat. If you say the real life fills up your days And you don't have time to play Midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase And you need a rescue Chase coming at you with a rescue A role-play rescue Chase gonna help my friend Let's sit down the game again Rescue Hello, rescuers. Welcome to Roleplay Rescue. My name's Che Webster, and today is a very long overdue interview episode with Liren from the podcast Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. As you heard at the top of the show, Liren has been listening to my show and called in to talk a little bit about labelling, responding to the idea of the different labels that we stick on our games, but also wanting to talk a little bit about, well, the female perspective. Now, this episode was originally recorded way back in April and for a number of different reasons has just taken me a very long while to edit. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm just going to say it wasn't easy to record because Liren had to get out of the house during the pandemic when she was babysitting her granddaughter, doing homeschooling and dealing with a whole manner of different stuff including moving house and there were a number of interruptions during our interview. I think I've managed to stitch it all together in a quite a positive way and it all makes sense but please do bear with me any mistakes anything that doesn't make sense is probably my fault anyway without any further ado here is an interview with Liren this is season nine episode 12 talking labels communication and play styles with Liren So hi, Liren. Um, thanks for coming on to the show today. Thanks for having me. So really, just in terms of uh, listener background, um, 
there's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years about you know labeling and gaming and kind of the way in which we all think about our different play styles and our different approaches to gaming and how we talk about them which i know is really close to your heart and i know that you called in response to a call which was about you know kind of one person expressing their view about a style of gaming that you felt is very much kind of how you label things yeah so when i it, it was interesting because when i um heard his call <clears throat> i i think i know i said this in the comment i think i just i realized that something that i work with my uh son about a lot i have a son who's 20 who's on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and so um i i'll tell you i have learned all new ways to talk about how human emotions work and how people interact and and just things that I had never thought about. My other son who's 30 is neurotypical. Mm. Some people hate that terminology. I'll just say he's not on the spectrum, however we want to say it. Um, <laughs> and so I hadn't had to do any of that with him. And then along comes my younger one. And I, it was an interesting thing because what I realized was he really makes you think about things that are very automatic. Mm. And And I think that's awesome, if I'm honest. I really mm. do. I think... Uh, it would benefit everyone to spend a big chunk of time around someone who's on the spectrum just to understand their own biases about communication in the first place. I mean, I really found myself, um, I've always considered myself to be a pretty good communicator, partially because I grew up with people who were horrible communicators. Mm. Communication was yelling in fists. And I went, I'm not going to communicate like that. That's not what I'm going to do. And so I put a lot of energy into trying to be somebody who means what I say and say says what I mean, you know? Mm. And along comes him, and I realized that he can read every micro expression. It is crazy how sensitive he is. So so he, here he is, a little toddler, and if I stub my toe, all of a sudden he's terrified I'm mad at him, you know? And, mm. and it took me, gosh, it probably took me a couple months because he was really little when I realized that. Um, long before they ever start even talking about labels about autism spectrum or anything, because they don't do any of that until school age. But I knew, I knew, I was like, okay, something's up. He was incredibly bright, but, Mm. but he was just like a little sponge and he, he could repeat things that you had said six months ago. I mean, (laughs) I remember I've, I spent as a teacher and I spent um, a lot of, especially the early part of my career working with a lot of, um, you know, uh, what we call ASD up in this country, um, yep. <laughs> and these students are just fantastic to work with. So it's like challenging in, like you said, in all sorts of different ways, um, but so rewarding, you know, because that you just learn, like you just said, you learn different ways to communicate, don't you? Oh yeah, and and of... I feel like they're challenging in ways that help you develop to be just a better person. Like like I think communicating with my son requires me to be caring in a way that I never had to even give a second thought to with my other son because mm. he just made all those automatic cultural assumptions you know mm. that my younger son is just like uh what is happening right now you know yeah. or and the hardest part I think is now that my son is at at um 20 years old you know trying to launch himself as an adult oh my gosh I thought puberty was bad I mean, it's really a struggle, right? Mm. So anyway, that is not what we're here to talk about. I don't want to take us on the total tangent. But but I okay. feel like that having my son really made me think hard about how I communicate. And mm. one of the things he taught me 
I mean a concrete lesson about is connotation. So mm-hmm. if I use a word with my son, my son knows the dictionary really quite thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And he thinks I mean whatever the dictionary says I mean, okay. right? Because he it's the most interesting thing. It's like he reads micro expressions like a machine, yet he does not connect them to speech. Right. So there's like this, it's an interesting thing. So all these things that ha- I had never thought twice about, all of a sudden I'm having to go, oh, hold on. I have to think about what my face looks like right now. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you just, I- I've never had to really think about that. Right? I mean, if I'm not frowning, nobody cared, you know? <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, it's, um, I think that having to explain things to him is one of the things that made me really understand labels. Because before that, I will say before I had him, I was 32 when he was born. And before that, I am a really alternative person. So uh, in my lifetime, I have described myself as a polyamorous, pagan. I'm a raging tree hugger. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, kinky, I, I, you know, I, I speak all of that. Um, I'm bisexual. I mean, I got a lot of alternative stuff going on, right? Here's the thing. Any of those things I just said, I have no idea what they mean to you, right? right? Yeah. I never, so so I had all these other labels and I was always scared to use them and I never understood why until I had my son and went, yeah. oh, here's the piece I've been missing all this time. Uh, it's the connotations piece. Because mm-hmm. when I say I'm bisexual, all I mean is I'm attracted to both genders. It doesn't mean I have to have a relationship with both genders. It doesn't mean anything about any of that, right? Except yeah. who knows what people think I mean when I say that. I mean, mm-hmm. and I mean, let's uh, tackle the big one, kinky. <laughs> you know, there's one that I say that and people go, okay, like, what does that mean, right? <laughs> like, 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 are you wanting to look at my feet? Are you like, you know, there's like, <laughs> that is just a huge spectrum, right? So, so I think one of the things that I realized really strongly with my son was that being able to label things for him was incredibly powerful. Mm. He needed me to do that in a way my other son never needed. And in a way that when I would label things, my kids are 11 years apart. So so my older son was, you know, into angsty stuff when my little one was toddling about and I was having to explain the world to him, you know. And um, I can remember my older son saying, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, honey, you don't get it you do all this automatically, like he doesn't do that, you know? And I think the most important thing for me was trying to help him figure out how most people operate. I have no idea how everyone operates, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? I only know really myself. I'm the only authority only on myself, you know? But it's been a really interesting thing to try to really be brutally honest with myself about where my biases lie. So all of this comes back to biases in so many ways, you know, because um, if I am a person who, uh, kinky is a good example of this, if I'm a person who's been raised in a conservative home, and I don't mean that politically, I just mean any any of the bandwidth of conservatism, right? Uh, <laughs> where, where we're not just walking around talking freely about sexual things, right? Yeah. Um, then if I come home and I say, hey, mom, I'm kinky, like, who knows what will happen? right? Mm. Who knows what she would think? And so I think that um, it's been really interesting as my son went through puberty to have really uh, 
clinical conversations with him about things I never had to talk to my other son about, not one time, right? So <laughs> it, it has been an adventure. And, and I think when I look at gaming, and, and so for when I first got into this, my husband, Jeff, had found Audio Dungeon. Hmm. And he said he'd been gaming for years. So um, he was a gamer when we met. Uh, he has been going to conventions for, I mean, our whole relationship. He's been going to at least two or three conventions a year. Some years as many as eight, depending mm -hmm. on what year it was, you know. And um, so I've heard about it a lot, but I was always home with the kids. Because mm -hmm. one of the things about a child on the spectrum, you can't leave them with just any babysitter, you know. It's not like, a, let me put an ad up on next door and see if somebody can come and watch my kid. Not that I would just do that, but you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't trust most people with them. I didn't then. Uh, the couple times we tried that, one of them went well and one of them was a disaster, you know. Mm. So so I heard so, so, so much about gaming from my husband. Before my husband, the only experience I had had was a friend in high school who all he ever talked to me about, we rode horses together and we go out to the barn and all I'd hear about was everything he hacked and splashed and murdered and how, you know, mm. and I'm like, Oh, wow, that's like super stimulating, not like, I don't want to be mean. I was always like acted interested because like, that's what friends do. Right. But mm. I just remember thinking like, really, don't you get mm. bored of doing that every week? Like how many ways can you hack and slash something, you know, now that was before I knew anything about it aside from what he said about it. FYI, I don't feel that way anymore, but mm. <laughs> I realize it is a much, I mean, there's so much more depth to it than I ever credited it credited it with and i think it's because now that i think about it think back on it he was like 14 i think he was trying to impress me you know what i mean <laughs> like it was uh, so i feel like i i just wasn't getting I, I really had no idea the full spectrum of any of that until jeff yeah and when he started talking about it and he would come home from games and i can remember one time i remember the first game he ran that went really well at a con because um, he always ran games at cons as well as played. He does both. Mm -hmm. And I remember a game he ran that went really well. He came home and he was just like, my husband is like this really um, uh, not terribly expressive uh, engineer dude, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I adore him. He is the opposite of me in most ways. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so like he came home and he was just like all like glowing and talking. And I'm like, wow. Oh, okay something has inspired him because like that's just not how he usually is about things hmm. so I remember like asking him what happened and he's telling me and I'm thinking to myself how did you do all that in three hours like yeah. all this really yeah. cool stuff happened you know and and so I remember uh about 12 years ago I went to two cons with him those are the two experiences I said we tried with babysitters mm -hmm. and one of them was dragon con in atlanta and it had a really small gaming component to it it's mostly like cosplay and panels i went to the most fascinating panels really cool stuff but the gaming stuff um i, I only played i think in two games and they were both run by him mm -hmm. because i there was only a very few games that weren't D D, and yeah. talking about D D you know like literally dungeons and dragons um i was like i don't know if i want to play that i'm not sure because like i never really had gamed at all yeah and i comment this as a person who has considered myself i have spent times in my life writing national novel writing month most novembers i try you mm -hmm. know i succeeded once when i was 49 <laughs> 
Yay. I was like, I'm doing it before I'm 50. <laughs> so, and I did. I'm so proud. So, um, but, but like, I, so I wonder how much of it is that I came to it later in life. Hmm. I wasn't in high school. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I think about it and I go, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, how could we, right? Nobody can know, but, but I can't even guess what would have happened if I had tried to play like in Scott's game, my friend, mm-hmm. uh, I have no idea what would have even happened because a girl not happening, right? He was not inviting a girl to his gang group. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yes. He specifically said that. Yes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> he said to me one time, girls don't game. And I'm like, oh, are you saying I can't? Because I promise <laughs> there's nothing you can do that I can't do. <laughs> I, I find it so interesting. I mean, when I was uh, our gang group back at high school, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of guys, but there were some girls and um, really they played yeah yeah absolutely oh that's great um, well i don't think you're as old as i am no well yeah i'm hitting 50 in about uh three four days so you know <gasps> hooray well happy birthday early <laughs> thank you <laughs> um but yeah i mean it was interesting it was mostly like sixth by the time we got to sixth form which is kind of like you know you're 17 18 year olds uh, oh, so uh-huh. top end of high school um right. and yeah, it's kind of the bridging bit between that and going to uni, which is you call college, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I'm never entirely sure. Um, but it, yeah, we, well, do, we yeah. had <laughs> girls at the table. Um, but again, interestingly enough, you know, by then our gaming had, um, yeah, broadened. So it's kind of interesting what you're talking about, because I think the very early stuff we were doing was was very kind of, you know, fighty war gamey. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then over the years, it sort of it, it grew, and that's the thing about role playing, isn't it? It's a, it's a broad, very broad kind of um, oh yeah hobby. So oh my gosh, I mean, this is what makes it so hard to talk about labels, right? Yeah. Because because first of all, like I, you know, when it started out, I think it was a fairly specific thing. But even then, like yeah. I, it's so funny to me. I always thought, oh, okay, this this was this very specific thing. But then now, as I've listened to podcasts in the last couple of years, when I when Jeff found Audio Dungeon, and then I joined it, and then yeah. I started listening to a bunch of you guys podcasting about stuff, right? And I've learned so much about, like, I think watching the show, like I watched part of the show, I never did get through all of it. It's almost impossible for me to sit down and watch a whole show. Uh, I look forward to the day that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and And so what was that show, the Broadmoor show? I can't think of the actual name of it. Oh, you're talking about um, Secrets of Blackmore? documentary. Yes, thank you. Blackmore. I said Mm -hmm. Broadmore. Blackmore, yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, so like, I, it's fascinating to me, partially because I think as I get older, I have realized more and more just how vitally important creativity is in my world. Mm. And so I think, um, for me, in order to feel like a... um, I don't get a lot of time to myself. I'm always somebody's mom or somebody's grandma. Mm. Jeff is not a demanding husband. Luckily he, he will cook <laughs> it for himself. He can do all his own stuff all by himself. Mm. My brother is a terrible husband who doesn't do any of that. And I'm like, girl, I don't know how you stay with him to my sister-in-law because <laughs> I'm very lucky. My husband is very self-sufficient. And, and so he is not a burden, but like mm. I adore my kids. Don't get me wrong, but uh, my younger son still lives with us. I, don't know how long that will last i don't see the end in sight i'll say that Mm -hmm. uh and i certainly don't want him to leave or anything but there's that entails you know there's Mm -hmm. some demand so i it's it's an interesting thing um 
when we do sit down on Monday nights, so we have a Monday night game group. I just realized I haven't mentioned that. And so we sit down for like two and a half hours and we just focus on gaming. Jeff is almost always the GM. Uh, it's either Jeff or um, there's another guy in our group who GMs as well. Uh, mm-hmm. who is a good friend of Jeff's. I call him his con husband because they used to go to cons together all the time. <laughs> and so so they're like con buddies, you know? And um, sometimes I tease him about his bromance. Or I, that's not nice, is it? But I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I love this guy. He's really great. So so we have a really, Monday Nights is such a great group. It's actually um, him and another guy that we met at a con, actually, mm-hmm. when I got to go with Jeff about a year and a half ago. I mentioned this on my podcast. I got to go to that con with him. And and this guy played in one of the games that Jeff ran. And he was like, I love gaming with you guys. And mm-hmm. he's just, we've been gaming ever since on Mondays. It's great. And then um, every once in a while, like we've had a couple that we uh, are from the con circuit too, who joined us for a while. And then they have dropped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other people have come and gone. So I think I got kind of spoiled too, though, because most of the games I was playing, my husband was running. Or his mm-hmm. friend who runs kind of the same kind of games because they have both always been into what they refer to as indie games. Mm. And all, you know, I think Jeff and I, I can't remember, I think we had a conversation about this on one of our podcasts. The fact that, like, there's another term that has a lot of connotations, right? Indie game. All mm-hmm. he means by indie game is a game published by an independent publisher. Yeah. Like, he's like, people put all this stuff on the term indie game. And all I mean is like published by, he has a couple independent publishing houses that he really likes. He knows the people that run them. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's like, that's really all I mean. Cause it's not like he won't play the other games. He just ran black hack. He runs on Thursday. He has a group of guys he games with. Yeah. And um, he just ran black hack for them. He's running Aegon for them now. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, that's not indie stuff. Yeah. So we got, We've got some labels. Let's talk about those for a second here. So we're yes. talking about indie gaming. Um, and I think the label that we were we started with was narrativist, wasn't it? I think. Because... Yeah, that's I is I think that is the word that Safer said. Yeah. That I said he said something and I kinda went like I had that knee jerk moment where I went, Oh, you're having a feeling, you know? That thing where a lot of people <laughs> just let their knee jerk and when mine jerks I have to go, Hey, wait a minute, is that worth it? Because if yeah. I do that in front of my son, things go off the rails, right? right. <laughs> yes. I think it was narrativist. Yep, I think that's so, what he said. So what labels do you sort of, uh, you and Jeff kind of uh, accept? Because it's something I always talk about with the kids. I think it's probably worth me just saying this. You know, when I'm in a classroom, we talk a lot about labels. I'm a religious studies teacher. Um, and uh, we also do a lot of the sort of personal social health education stuff and political stuff as well within school, which is, <laughs> you know, a big important part of the UK's um, kind of educational system is that we include those things in our curriculum. You know, there is, no, well, first of all, there's no separation of church and state, but also like politically, you know, being a teacher is a political thing. We're supposed to be politically neutral, um, mm-hmm. you know, but of course we're not. <laughs> so yeah. Nobody is. Well, you are um, a human being, last yeah. I checked. <laughs> but the, the conversations that we have in a classroom, my point is that there are labels, you know, that people accept. And I, th- I often think unthinkingly, you know, and I think it's kind of like linked right. into what you've been talking about. Um, so you know, it talks about, you know, um, sexuality. We talked about like gender and we've got 
you know, our, the label we want to stick on ourselves about biology, you know, whatever kind of genetic um, identity we want to have, you know, all those kinds yep. of things. Um, and, and I try to have open conversations with those over the t- time we're, you know, we're in school about, you know, well, what labels are you sticking on yourself and why? And often they're just things that people, other people are stuck on you and, and you yes, just accept right. them, right? Right, um, yeah. So, yeah, what I'm asking, I guess the question I want to ask is, you know, what, what labels have you accepted Let's talk about those and maybe a little bit about why and what they mean to you, because I think that's probably the best starting point. Well, so the interesting thing about uh, about labels is this is one of the things I love about about the man I married is like we've had deep in depth conversations about this. And yeah. I actually enjoy that a lot. Mm. <laughs> so <clears throat> so, I mean, I have no problem with somebody saying a game is narrativist. Mm. I, I think that's accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, some games what you are actually even ever rolling dice for is narrative control. Yeah. So narrativist is a perfect description of that game, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's a whole lot of other things too, but but absolutely that word is accurate for it. So like, I think the problem, you know, whenever Jeff and I talk about this, the thing that it always comes down to is that neither one of us have a problem with somebody calling what we do story gaming. We really don't because mm-hmm. It is about telling a story as much as it's about anything else. But mm. but I'll tell you something that gets Jeff's hackles up is when other people say story gaming like, like it's a swear word. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it, I have been in the car with him and we've been listening to podcasts together because uh, when we used to be able to ride in the car together, you know, back when we drove places mm. uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, back before the dark times. Yes, right. Yes. Ooh. I, you could just see his whole body posture change as soon as somebody did that on a podcast, you know? And I just remember that was actually, I think what led to our first discussion about this anyway, was it was somebody that we had been listening to for a while and, and uh, I saw him sort of tense up and he was driving, I'm riding. Right. And he was like, Oh man, that pisses me off. And I'm like, First of all, it's not that easy to piss him off, FYI. He's like this really easygoing guy, like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, wow, what just happened that I totally missed, right? Because yeah. I, I didn't – this is way back when. I don't know what the terms are, right? Like I'm thinking, what did he do wrong? And he's like, did you hear the way he just said that? And I'm like, no. And I pick up his phone and I rewind it because I'm like, I totally mm-hmm. missed this, right? And he's totally right. Like this person says – story game like some kind of epithet or or insult or something and i'm like i totally missed that right Mm. except it's not the words so so when you talk about labels that um i i think when when we talk about gaming i can tell you for sure in our monday night group when we talk about gaming if anybody wants to run a game because any of the people who are in our group can run a game as a matter of fact i'm running my first game right now which is a total trip fyi but (laughs) um but i think one of the things that we talk about is uh uh we talk about okay is this one going to be like light and cheery or heavy and serious so those are some terms that we use but like it's not i think one of the nice things about gaming with a bunch of people you really know is that you can have a conversation about something like that and for example i can say guys i love you dearly but i am not interested in in role-playing rape so can we just not go there and all of them go okay like i'm not infringing on their authenticity of experience if i don't want to play out a rape you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i can say that and not worry about it and Mm -hmm. and i think what so a couple experiences i've had around labels 
when I joined Audio Dungeon, uh, part of the point of that was to play in some games that were run by other people. Mm -hmm. Because I had played in a lot of games my husband run at RAN, and I love them. Like, mm. he's so this is a fascinating thing to me is how creative he is. In our day-to-day -day life, he doesn't get any opportunity for creativity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I remember going to a con and just sitting there and literally staring at him. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be listening to what he's saying. But it's just so sexy to me how creative he is. Yeah. I got to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, like, afterwards, he was all like, wow, really? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy what does it for you sometimes. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I was just like he, but he runs a very PBTA. You know, is is he runs a lot of PBTA games powered by the Apocalypse yeah. games. So powered by the Apocalypse games, you know, you get playbooks. You you have really pretty. Um, there's a, a fairly narrow band of skills that people get, and so that defines, of course, what can happen in the story that will mm. be meaningful, because if the story doesn't do anything that the character skills can interact with, what's the point, right? Yeah. So, so you do get some guidance of like where the story needs to go if you want to be able to use the skills of the characters. Mm. But when you roll the dice, you are rolling the dice sometimes with questions. Yeah. Sometimes you ask a question and then that decides if you get an extra die or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a bunch of different variables in there, right? And, and so... That's really the only style of game I had played. I right. had played um, Monsters and Other Childish Things. Yeah. So are you familiar with that game? I'm not. <laughs> oh, so years ago when I went to Dragon Con, actually, the guy who wrote it ran it. Right. He was, I think he had just published it. He was like, it was, it, he, it was like the first time he'd run it at a con. So the fascinating thing about that game is you play both a child and that child's monster. Right, okay. So... There were so many players at that table who wanted to play in his game that we got to play one person was the child and a different person was the monster, wow. which let me tell you, that was a lot of fun too. <laughs> but anyways, um, that is a dice pool game. Mm. So you end up with a wad of D6s. Yeah. I mean a wad. Like I was like, I think I need two hands sometimes, you know? <laughs> and and I was like, that's cool. Like, that's fun. Mm -hmm. But you end up spending a lot of time sitting there looking at a lot of dice going, where's the ones and sixes? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so like, I get it. Like, I get the fun of that. Yeah. Uh, but it's very different, obviously, than in PBTA. I, I don't think that one is narrative, though. Mm -hmm. If I recall correctly, it's not. Like, you get into a battle with somebody else's monster. And, uh, you know, if your monster is getting a battle or whatever, because that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh <laughs> Or, or they're like attacking something, trying to defend you because it's trying to eat you, you know. Uh, I think that's all like you roll the dice, you fail, you succeed. You yeah. know, it's not narrative. What you mean is not narrative in the sense of resting narrative control. Um, and, yes. you know, it's a, that's actually about like success fail mechanic mechanisms, you know. Yes, exactly. Right. And so, so I think that's a good example too like i'm using all these terms mm. and i'm thinking to myself okay like i have to stop and think now what am i saying that makes sense to me yeah. you know what i mean now but i think this is what's uh, um, this is what's fascinating because you know my experience of role-playing games is completely different um you know we're from different roots if you like and um that's great yeah. that's and for me that's what my podcast has always been about you know like trying to value difference trying to like broaden the you know the horizons of myself and as much as anything but you know everyone around and kind of accepting yeah. that this hobby is so huge you know there are so many different 
ways of doing it and ways of being so now i appreciate this it's you know for me it's like we're entering the language part of it you know in a, in a sort of fairly technical way but actually um how else can you can you communicate other than with words right exactly exactly <laughs> and i think so so i think like when i but this is another example of a place where in gaming people use terms in a way that i had never experienced them because i had only ever done some writing i've never even taken a creative writing class mm. so realize i say i've done some writing nothing formal yeah. so the fascinating thing to me is jeff's done things like read books about writing scripts and mm. story arcs and all this you know like yeah. stuff that i'm just like wow really like it's that complicated but i honestly believe the fact he did that is why he runs an awesome game mm. Because he has a real sense of the nuts and bolts of things that I don't have. Yeah. So so that does help a lot. Um, I think, like, when I say narrativist, all I really mean is it doesn't mean that people can't narrate their character. I just mean if I roll a die, whether I succeed or fail, doesn't decide what happened in an action. It decides who gets to narrate what happened. Mm. So a lot of PBTA games... Um, you will have three conditions. Some of them have more. I mean, certainly yeah. they're not linear at all. And there's over a hundred <laughs> of them now. But <laughs> but one thing you can say most of them have in common is there's a, a fail scenario where it doesn't go well for you. It doesn't mean you fail. Mm. It just means it doesn't end up going well for you. And the GM gets to narrate it. Mm. The middle section is it doesn't go perfect for you and you get to narrate it. Narrate it. And the you win is like it goes how you wanted it to and you get to narrate it you know okay. now there are games that have many variables around that in the pbta realm that i've seen that's probably the best explanation of what makes pbta different that i have ever heard in about 30 oh. seconds honestly um the drivel that i've heard people trying to explain this to me you know but actually oh. you just got the nugget of it and it's that you know that's great um so thank you because i mean again these are not games that i've played so um oh. <laughs> you know i've not had the opportunity um the people i hang around with and i spend time with don't play these games so they're not going to offer to run me are they um see i totally did not know that you have not played these games at all yeah, i've read them um and uh -huh. and you know and you sort of you read the rule book or whatever and you kind of think huh but yeah i just don't i mean this thing because i haven't played it i don't get it and it's not to say it's a bad yeah. thing it's just i don't get it you know so right. i need to sit down at a table sometime and then I'll get it. Uh, I remember, you know, I recently had a, a game with Arlen Walker. We played, um, we were playing a little bit of Cone in TD20. And and I read and understand the game. Um, and it's kind of a bridging game for me. It's kind of like a little bit what I'm used to and a little bit of what I'm not used to. And we and we managed, yep. and I had a little experience like, ooh, I get that now. So next step, mm. you know, into whatever realm he'll drag me into next. Um, but the point is that, you know, you have to sort of, I always feel like you know the game isn't the rules the game is the experience you have with the people at the table um and that's yes. a whole thing and and actually until you I, I honestly believe until you've played a game you can't know you know oh my gosh I absolutely agree with you so when I decided so um I had never thought about running a game and Jeff said to me uh you know for your podcast you ought to talk about running your first game and i'm like who said i'm running a game like haha <laughs> you know and, and he was like why wouldn't you he's like you like to write you like to make up stories i'm like yeah but that in our game group that's not how it works hmm. like 
the, one of the things I love, love, love about a lot of the games that we play, especially on Mondays, is that group of people, um, you could come to the table with all kinds of ideas as the GM. And by the end of that session, you really have no idea where you're going to be because it's a bunch of creative people yeah. and you throw something out there and one of them or more than one of them or all of them are going to pick that up and run with it and you don't know what direction, mm. right? So in some ways that can feel really scary. And I can remember when I used to watch Jeff handle that mm. and I'd go, dude, I have no idea how you do that. <laughs> I have no clue how you do that. Like, you don't know what's coming next. How can you not know what's coming? You know what I mean? Like mm. when I when I think about someone who is uh, facilitating something, mm. you know, I have been a, a, an instructor. I was a technical instructor for 15 years. Yeah. And I'm like, I just can't fathom walking into a class and going, I have no idea what's about to happen, but we're going to do it together. You know, like yeah. that's so scary to me. I was just like, I don't think I could do that. It's so, it's so weird to me as well, because yeah, that exactly would terrify me. And yet I do it daily as a teacher in a classroom because there are yes. quite regularly I go in a classroom and I actually run lessons which are kind of, hey, what do you want to do today? Um, let's throw out some questions. Let's vote on a question. Let's discuss the question. You know, let's go yep. explore the question. Um, I can do that. But yeah, the thought yep. of, you know, throwing out a scenario and then the players having a narrative control, yeah, that, yes. that's, well, has for a long while scared me. So, so how have you found that? Well, I saw, I did see when, uh, years and years ago, the other con I went to, not Dragon Con, I want to say Dexcon or Dreamation. Those are put on by the same people, mm -hmm. and I never remember which one is which. Anyways, one or the other of those was the other one I went to. And this guy came to one of the games Jeff was running that I was playing in, and it was a PBTA game. Was it? Yes, it was. I have to remember, because he used to run this game called Primetime Adventures 2, yeah. which is not a PBTA game, but it's still narrative. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with that one. You've talked about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have. Yeah, that's right. Jeff and I talked about it. Gosh. Yeah. So it's really you're writing a sitcom in that one. Yeah. Or uh, a TV show, I should say, because yeah. it doesn't have to be a situational comedy. Anyway, so this guy comes and he, that con, they have um, Pathfinder, you know, rooms. They yeah. have D&D rooms. And then they have the indie room yeah. where the people who are publishing and writing these games are actually they're running playtests and stuff, mm. right? So it's really cool if you're into games like that. That's why Jeff loves those cons. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember this guy came and he said, there's nothing in the Pathfinder room I want to do. So I thought I'd come and try this out. And we were all like, great. Hey, welcome, you yeah. know. So we sit down and this poor man, I felt so bad for him <laughs> because every time something would happen, he would go, wait a minute. Why did that? What do you, don't we have to roll for that? It was crazy. <laughs> and he, he, we, it was a three hour session and I promise you he said that a hundred times. Yeah. I promise. And and he was really distressed. Mm. And it was like a counseling session and trying to help him be like, No, no, it's okay. Yeah. Like you can just decide what happened. Yeah. The point here isn't that the dice have to decide. We finally settled mm. on whenever it's your turn, if you want the dice to decide, you roll, go for it. Mm. And we'll go with whatever you say. And he just could not. He was like you'll go with whatever I say. Yeah, that's how this works, man. Yeah. You know, it was a bizarre experience. And at the end of it, I just remember being like, oh my gosh, Jeff looked like a deer in headlights. He was just really stressed out from managing all that, you know, because mm. he was just like, I just didn't know how else to say. All you have to do is tell me what happens. Mm. You know. <laughs> so like, but I think that was literally this guy's first experience with a game that was not Pathfinder, mm. literally. Yeah. So 
I mean, I can see where that would be very different. I hear Joey on hindsight, let's talk about Pathfinder and running Pathfinder. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I do not. I, that sounds super complicated to me. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, that's the thing. It's a completely different culture and approach yep. to this thing that we call role playing. Um, yep. And that's fine. It's just a very right. different. And I think, again, like it's about your roots. And we're, and we're two people here from very different kind of roots in the hobby, if you like. And, um, that's yeah. okay i'm wanting to explore um and i think that i'm now just wanting to ask you know how have you found managing being that gm oh my gosh <clears throat> so so i feel like i'm totally cheating mm -hmm. and and how i feel like i'm cheating is i know the players <laughs> so well because i mean we've been gaming together for a couple of years yeah so so i feel like i do feel like it's kind of cheating to even say i'm gming it <laughs> isn't that i'm not because i am like um, one of the things about our group is if somebody says, what does that look like? Almost every single time Jeff will, as a GM say, what does it look like? Tell me, Yeah. you know? And so, so like, I feel like GMing the game that I'm GMing. So the game I'm GMing is called passing and it's about aliens who are trapped on earth trying to pass as humans. Mm -hmm. And there are only five playbooks. It's an Ashcan game. It's not a fully developed game. Yeah. I'm not sure it ever will be. It came out in Ashcan years ago now yeah. i doubt it will ever get to final development but i love the concept because the person who wrote it wrote it for the lgbtq yeah all the other letters i and a i think like you'd think i'd know that being one of them the b <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway for the alternative community because they were like you know that's what it feels like it feels like you're this mm. person who's not like everybody else but you're constantly trying to fit in and be like everybody else yeah. well i can completely commiserate with that because i can tell you anybody i work with i work at a university there's not one person i work with who would assign any of those labels i told you for myself to me because mm. i can soccer mom with the best of them <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to have that conversation with every person. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So, so I think I remember, I mean, it wasn't, none of us were like mad at that guy or upset with that guy mm. or anything. I just feel like it was a, it was a real, I don't have to worry about that experience with my game because mm. I know these players. Right. So the interesting thing to me is I can think of a couple of different times. <laughs> the first session was a big session zero thing. My little granddaughter's right outside the window. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it was a session zero. We set up all of our characters. We talked about like what the culture was going to be like, because that's one of the things you decide. Yeah. There are some boundaries in the book, you know, yeah. but but really like powers and appearances and anything like that with, with the alien culture is really wide open. Mm. So we decided it pretty early on what we were going to do. So um, and and we had talked about this ahead of time, but then we spent one whole session talking about characters and developing characters and connections mm. so one thing that happens a lot in pbta games too is development of relationships mm. so uh relationship maps are a pretty big deal in that game because there's a lot of hooks between people yeah. that then the gm can pull on right so i remember the first session we had though that wasn't that where we were actually playing the game i'm sitting there and we're playing and we're doing our thing and and all of a sudden it, it's quiet and i'm thinking I'm just thinking about stuff and I go, Oh crap. I'm the GM. I have to be that NPC. <laughs> like, like, duh. Hello. Who do you think is going to do that? If you don't pipe up right now, sweetie. So, so, you know, there were, there's been a couple of times where, where we're, we're playing and I'm into it. Cause like I'm digging the story. Right. And, 
and I'm I'm just like I have no idea what these guys are about to come up with. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I'm like, "Hey, reality check! You're the GM. Snap out of it!" Yeah. <laughs> so, but it has been so much fun, though. I mean, so in some ways, I I almost feel like jealous because I wish I was playing it instead of GMing mm. it because it's a cool story. But in other ways, I think to myself. It is a really cool thing to think about the fact that this story would not exist if I did not decide to run passing and mm. this group of, of, you know, the five of us get together and do it. Yeah, absolutely. So like, yeah, it's, it, and, and it's not the interesting thing about games like this. I mean, I've played, gosh, I think I've played three or four sessions of Tales from the Loop. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Tales from yeah. the Loop is? You play teenagers. Mm-hmm. One of the rules is nobody can die. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that is literally in the book. Yeah. And and it's like a um it's like a sci-fi version, you know, and I can tell you no two of them are anything alike. Yeah. Nothing alike. I mean, the rules were the same, but the story absolutely mm. different. And so I think that's one of the things I love about um playing the kind of games that that um my husband likes to run. Cause it just leads me to I, I Another game I've played more than once is Monster Hearts. Mm-hmm. I've now played Monster Hearts three different times. Uh, one of them was at a con where my husband was running it. One of the ladies there asked him, she knows he loves to run Monster Hearts and she loves that game. And so she asked him if he could run a Jane Eyre version of Monster Hearts. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, how could you just say yeah, sure to that? Like what? It's so, I'm telling you, his creativity is amazing to me. But anyway, I'll try to stop gushing about him. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like. I'm trying to think because I'm conscious of time. So I'm just kind of trying to think like, what can we uh, kind of gather up um, and mm. and say really? You know, something we haven't really talked about. Mm. Uh, the only thing we haven't talked about that I thought we might touch on, we absolutely don't have to touch on this if you don't want to, is that I hear. Um, some of the guys talk about how they wish their wife was more interested in what they do, mm-hmm. or they wish they could get family interested in doing what they do, yep. you know? And, and one thing I think a lot when I hear that is I wonder if they, uh, if they were open to playing games that were more like loose and narrative or, mm-hmm. or, and loose isn't even the right word. See, here's a great example, right? Of a mm-hmm. word because loose to me means without rules I don't just mean it's like a free-for-all sandbox. Yeah. It's kind of like comparing uh, Witcher to Minecraft. Do you, have you ever played either of those games? No, but it's great. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, love, so like, Minecraft, Minecraft is like this wide-open sandbox. You build what you want. You do what you want. You don't yeah. have to do anything. You can just run from one end to the other mm. and look at the scenery. You don't have to do anything, right? Yeah. Witcher is a great big world and it's a great big sandbox but there's missions yeah. there's guidance there's rails here and there you mm-hmm. know what i mean so so uh, something i find interesting when i hear the guys talk about rails is like oh well they ran a game that was on their railroading or that game's on rails or you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i think to myself that means something different to me than it does to them yeah you know? and again because- not necessarily a negative you know um, right. And when people yeah. use this term, these terms, I'm always listening for the tone. It's that's something you mentioned earlier, yeah. but it's actually, yeah. it's really key. Um, yes. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah, it's interesting. I, yeah, I very much want to talk about like basically getting, well, my wife used to play 
Okay. Um, uh-huh. She doesn't play for two reasons. One is too many rules, and the second reason is the guys dominate everything and never let her get a word in edgewise. Um, yeah. So, you know, So let's talk about so that. I can tell you, my husband's con husband is a wonderful man because he actively thinks about that he does we will chit chat often you know when you first get online when you're waiting for everybody to join and stuff we all will often spend maybe even up to like the first 30 minutes chit chatting about what's going on and he has we early early on i said to him one time i said i I, you don't like you're so quiet and he's like Mm. yeah you probably think i'm being quiet but what i'm doing is just giving you space to talk Mm. and i was like that's so true like i'm so it's so and i don't and this is a perfect example like like i'm not a person who talks in a lot of generalizations because a lot of generalizations don't apply to me right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i think it is very true that we are so and i say we one of the interesting things about doing an interview with you is that you're not even on the same continent as i am so like when i say we i'm very conscious of the fact that i'm probably not including you because okay. I don't know if I am or not, right? But but in my situation, it is not uncommon. If I go to a work meeting, a perfect example of this, mm-hmm. I go to a work meeting at the university. The university where they talk so much about being progressive and you know forward mm-hmm. thinking. And let me tell you whose ideas don't get heard. Because if you pipe up at all, first of all, like you have to be extremely sunny and friendly or you get labeled the B word, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just... It is maddening. I, I It's so funny to me how people talk like, you know, we're so progressive. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I promised we're not. <laughs> because I, among our friends, like when we have, when we talk in that group, I often think now, I really notice it now after he said it, of course. Yeah. And um, there's a, one of the other people in our group is young, a very nice guy, does not do that. We'll talk over everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's interesting to me how, I don't know if sometimes that comes with maturity, I'm sure, you know, lots of things do, right? Mm. But but sometimes I think too, like, to be able to be open to have someone say to you, hey, like, I love hearing your really creative and interesting ideas. I love hearing your thoughts about things, but I would love it if I felt like you were that interested in mine. Mm-hmm. Like, I would never say that to someone as an insult. I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I'm not saying, hey, you suck so hard. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> and yet that is how things like that often get heard, right? Yeah. And so I think this is one of the things about communication that I always want to talk about because I think men and women struggle to communicate sometimes because we're so, I, I think as women, we can be so programmed to think our thoughts but not say them Hmm. and and to be ready and defensive because if we say them we might get a bad reaction or you know what i mean like i'm trying to think of how i was when i was younger before i really thought about all this stuff you know and i can remember it being such an epiphany to me i'll tell you when i met jeff i mean he was just so night and day different than other men i dated i was like what the how bizarre like He was never pushy, never. Mm. He just is not a pushy person. And yet he's not a pushover. Mm. It's just that he honestly equally cares what I say and think and feel. Yeah. And 
So, like, I think men who don't do that, why would you? You're programmed not to. I mean, watch TV sometime, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch TV, strong women, how are we portrayed if we're strong women? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cougars, bitchy, you know, pick one. Mm. Um, and trust me when I say women play into that stereotype just as much. My friends are mostly men <laughs> because I, I can't stand it when women do that passive aggressive thing they do where, where they like are acting all nice and friendly to your face, but they're like being backbitey and say, but they're putting a nice smiley face on it. So it's okay. Right. Women don't do oh, that. Women, well, women don't do that. Surely. <laughs> oh, hate it. Hate it. And, and it makes me wonder how often do I do it and don't even realize it. Right. Because mm. really you can, you can pretend that all that programming isn't a thing, mm. but in the big picture, it's a very hard thing to overcome. It's like confirmation bias, right? Yeah. So we learn about confirmation bias and, and we think, oh, well, I know what it is now, so I won't fall prey to it, right? Mm. <laughs> Wrong. No, that's not how that works. No. Oh, if only, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I tell my son all the time, if I could figure out how to connect emotion with logic, I'd be a bazillionaire because that's not how humans work. You can know something and not feel it or feel something and not know it. I mean, the mm. connection between those things is nowhere near automatic. So so I think all of that to say, <laughs> but I think if, if in fact a man is thinking to himself, I wish my, this was something I could share with my wife or like, you know, I wish that we could have a shared interest or I'm really interested in this and I wish that I could mm. show it to her in a way that she would understand why I'm so interested in it. I think that's what really started the whole thing with Jeff and I about talking so freely about game. He really loved it. Yeah. And so I went, why? Like, I'm curious. Why do you love that so yeah. much? That is what led me to game. The problem is that um, I have certainly gamed with people who, at the end of it, I have lost some enamel off my teeth. Uh, I have not nice words to say, and they probably have no idea I had any problem with that gaming session. Because good women don't express that, Che. So, you know, you got to be one of the good ones, right? <laughs> and and so, like, a gaming experience I have had, I was I was playing a game, it was online, it was... I sat there and I thought to myself, how fascinating that it doesn't really matter what I say at any point in this game. Hmm. It didn't, nothing I said mattered. Uh, I did my roles. That's all that mattered. And I went weird. Hmm. Like to me, that feels super two dimensional. There's like this whole dimension gone yeah. out of it. I mean, role playing games are like, primarily verbal. So yeah, there's no creativity. <laughs> oh, and trust me, the men were talking. Hmm. The men were talking a lot about really complex war strategy and how they're going to murder these people and murder those people. And I'm just sitting there going, and real, it's not like I didn't try to join in. I can strategize. I'm not, you know, mm. incapable because I have girl parts, <laughs> but, but it turns out they didn't want to hear anything from the girl. They just want, mm. you know, and it was a very odd experience that, I've had one very extreme experience like that. And other than that, there's been little nuances of it here and there, but there's always going to be that. You're always going to have a game where maybe I have played in a game where 
it was a woman who was the person who had to take over everything. Hmm. Somebody would say something and she had to pipe up and somehow change it. I find myself psychoanalyzing people sometimes when stuff mm-hmm. like that happens. Because I'm just like, <laughs> man, you must not have much control over anything in your life if you need to control this game that strictly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I could be completely wrong about that. But that's just where my mind wanders when I'm sitting there going, mm. oh, this is one of those games where my input doesn't really matter. Okay. <laughs> Glad to know that. I'm, I'm glad we got that out of the way. You know. So, I mean, if you're going to give them sort of three quick practical tips. Oh yes. Okay. What should that? You know, how how would they engage you? Well, I think I think a good place to start is this is something I really care about, and I would love to share it with you. Mm. And maybe we'll get to play together sometime. Maybe not. But I would love to at least share it with you so you can understand why it's important to me. Because mm. I think not a whole lot of that happens with couples. Mm. Um. I'm sure there's people that do that all the time, but the people that I interact with, you know, people I've been friends with, it's not a real common thing to do. A lot of real life stuff gets in the way. Hmm. That takes a lot of time, you know, and it also takes sitting down, looking another person in the face and actually hearing what they're saying, actively listening, Mm -hmm. right? Not just hearing, you're listening. (laughs) And so um, that's one. Another one. I think that, that understanding that, and I do not like to speak for all women. I'm pretty sure you don't like to speak for all men. You know, I, I, that's not, but I will say this. I do think that if, if people could broaden their horizons a little bit beyond the, we have to go chase this thing down and murder it. And then we'll turn left and go murder that thing over there. And then we'll turn around backwards. Hey, something is closed in behind us. We have to go murder that. Right. Like there's more to it than that. And I think, mm. I think if you could expand that horizon a little bit, I think you'd find a lot of people more interested, yeah. sensitive males as well as a lot of women. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Earlier, you were talking about like relationship maps. You were talking about spending an entire session thinking about how do these char- who are these characters and how do they know each other and all of that yeah. stuff. And and to me, you know, tr- there are people I play with and I love them to bits. Don't get me wrong, but it's like trying to extract teeth to get them to do that you know to spend yeah we're gonna spend a whole session talking about my character are you crazy yeah. it's like no yeah, i'm not crazy great. i'm just interested because you know right. we, we could explore we could explore the combat tactics of that killing you know bug bears or whatever it is you're doing but we could equally explore your character you know and who you're right. to know. well and plus i think to me like how interesting is it to try to play a character who's completely not like you mm. I have found that fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like I, one of the things I realized was that I always play kind of the same type of character because mm-hmm. I really am just a nurturer. I really am. Uh-huh. I have a big mouth and I talk a lot, but I really, I am a nurturer, you know, like I care how I'm making other people feel. Right. Yeah. So one time I was in a game and I went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to play the complete asshole. <laughs> Pardon my French. I'm going to go, I'm going to do that. 180 degree i'm gonna play that narcissistic i know everything and you know i'm so good looking i'm so this i'm so that right <laughs> and and of course i played a man because if you're gonna be opposite be totally opposite right so so I, I it was the funniest thing because afterwards i was like oh i feel like this weird horror that i enjoyed that so much <laughs> And that, like... and that for me is what I love about role-playing games the opportunity I mean loads, so many people don't take the opportunity but the opportunity just to even if it's just a small tweak you know yes. um, learning to, learning to be really dishonest 
learning to do something that you really feel uncomfortable with um yeah. you know all of those things are kind of great ways of experiencing the game in a different way yep yep yeah so that's two i'm trying to think what would the third one be gosh so you said listen yeah i said curiosity about like express how much you care about it and that you want to share that with them mm. um open up your horizons to it being about more than hack and slash mm -hmm. and and i think to play so i think if what you play is the kind of game that is like the dice do everything and you are not a character development player mm. and all that that's pretty easy to describe right mm -hmm. that's like that's kind of like i'm going to describe monopoly because i've never seen anybody play monopoly with a narrative maybe you have i never have seen that might be a fun thing to try i don't know I could play like a rich cad. I could go for that, but but because that's not what I am. But but like um, I think there's something about the the vulnerability. You know, there is such a piece of vulnerability to gaming if you go past those dice. Mm -hmm. If you go past, I'm gonna roll this, and the only struggle I have is do I show my disappointment if I lose or not, right? Because <laughs> really, this is like how Scott described playing when I was in school. It was really just how mad am I? How, what sailor's mouth am I going to speak with when I if I don't get the role I want, right? And so, so it's an interesting thing to me to think about how much you end up being vulnerable. So in playing the games with the people that I've played games with, some of the deepest sessions we've had, uh, Jeff ran a game called Scrappers. In that game, there was we all had different roles in, on the ship itself, but but like. There was just something that developed so beautifully between the characters of that. And that just so much of that game was us talking about interactions between our characters that we never touched the dice. I mean, I guess the, the third one I would say is like, it does take some vulnerability to play that way. Hmm. And, and that also means that you have to realize that it takes some vulnerability for your spouse to say, okay, you really care about that. I'll give it a try. Hmm. Right. And it takes some, I, I think it can be really hard. It's kind of like, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of another hobby that would be um, in line with that. Well, let's say that you garden mm -hmm. and you're the kind of gardener who every row has to be perfectly straight and there cannot be a weed because weeds are evil. And, uh, you know, when, and everything has to be in a neat line because if one of the seeds is to the left, a quarter of an inch, like that doesn't look pretty, right? Or you're the kind of gardener I am, who's just like, hey, I'm going to toss some seeds in that dirt and see what happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, if Jeff is one kind and I'm the other kind, and the two of us are not able to like be vulnerable to each other and go, here's why this matters to me and I need to own that, mm -hmm. not put it on you. You're such a sloppy gardener <laughs> or you're such a stick in the mud gardener, right? <laughs> Everything is like that. So like to me, it's so interesting to me. I think I have only ever gamed with two other couples. Jeff and I have gamed in mm. games with two other couples. And that is always a fascinating experience to me. Mm. Because, because like, one of the other couples is a lot like Jeff and I. They're very different uh, in the game. He, one thing I really noticed in that game was he was always asking her, like, what she thought and drawing her in. You know, I thought, mm. that's really cool. Because mm. I think she's, she might be a kind of a quiet person. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know in that game, though, because, like, it was... It was a very, um, I don't know about you, I like to people watch. Hmm. So gaming is an interesting people watching experience too. Not that I go around like judging who people are as humans by it, but like it's just a really interesting thing mm -hmm. to watch the way that people 
play things out. Uh, uh, Jeff's con husband just fascinates me with some of the <laughs> stuff he comes up with. I'm like, wow, he has like this really, I don't know, it never ceases to amaze me just how out of left field that dude can come. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So anyways, I, I hope that people can develop more of being able to share what they love with their spouse. I think mm. that's really important. And I think that's why when I talk about this, I think all the time, it'd be nice if you could have a nice clean set of labels to show your wife, look, this is a romance. This is contemporary. Mm. This is narrativist. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is rated PG. Pick whatever, you know, the other person can relate to, right? Mm. Or let's play like a super raunchy rated X Monster Hearts game, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know. I I think, and this is the struggle with labels. So bringing it back around to labels again, this is the struggle with labels, especially about this. I have literally spent the two years that I've been podcasting thinking about, surely there has to be some set of labels you could put on things. And yet every set Jeff and I come up with, because we talk about this, trust me, <laughs> this comes up about every six months we get on a, you know, tear about this. And um, we talk about it and we talk about it. And I'm just like, I just, I don't know the way around that. Mm. The only way around that is to put out a list of labels and say, here's the part where everybody acts like a grown up and takes responsibility for the fact that this is all we mean by these words. Yeah. And if you choose to read them different, that's you. Yeah. I think the point is that is to kind of keep it loose, isn't it? And, and the thing that you said earlier, I thought was really fascinating is that as a group, you have come to understand what those things mean to you as a group. And so yeah. I guess what we're almost encouraging is kind of get your buddies together, stick together, kind of work it out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I also know what a unicorn, a cohesive gaming group is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because cause the, this group fell apart at one point because one person left who had been there through Scrappers. And when Scrappers hmm. uh, took a holiday break, she never came back. And, and the group almost fell apart. And I kept pushing every week. I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, it's almost Monday. Are you going to message people? And he's like, uh, and I'm like, no, I, Jeff, we got a game. Like it's Monday. And so, and so then everybody but her came back and then a couple people rotated in and have rotated out, but there's a core group. So I do think that gaming, it's fun to game with people you don't know, but it's a different experience. Mm. Well, look, yeah. I'm really conscious of time. You've got five minutes before you <laughs> promised your granddaughter you'd be there. So. I know. So, Liren, He's wandering around behind the car waiting for me. <laughs> so, Liren, thanks so very much for your time today. I really appreciate the chat. And we can probably talk forever about this stuff. But Oh, gosh, you know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> good. No, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this. It's something I think about so much. I'm really, uh, it was really nice talking to you about it. I'm real, I'll be really interested to hear what people have to say about it, too, you know, if yeah. you've got any response. No, absolutely. Well, we'll get it edited together and out there and we'll see what people say, hey? So, you know, there you go. Yeah, Look, guys, seriously, Lyrid wants you to call in, okay? Pretty please, Make pretty, pretty please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to let you go. Thanks very much for your time. Oh, thank you, Jay. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. that's that so thank you massively to Liren from updates from the middle of nowhere for coming onto the show and talking to us about whoa loads of stuff fascinating stuff i really really regret not getting it out earlier but hey it's out there now so i hope you enjoyed it that's it for another week on roleplay rescue 
Thanks for listening. Have you got a question that you want to ask? Drop me a voice message via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue or email your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. Thanks to TJ Drennan for the Roleplay Rescue theme music. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast. And thanks again to you, the listener. I hope you found something interesting or useful in this episode. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next weekend. Game on. (laughs) 